The opinions expressed by the guests and contributors of this podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Cornell University or its employees. Welcome to the Inclusive Excellence Podcast. June is LGBTQ plus Pride Month, a month that recognizes the 1969 Stonewall Uprising that took place at the Stonewall Inn in New York City. To honor this month, we have collaborated with the LGBTQ plus colleague network group at Cornell to create a special series called Beyond Binaries. Through this series, we will interview Cornell staff who identify as LGBTQ to share what pride means to them and celebrate the diverse lived experiences among members of the LGBTQ community at Cornell. My name is Anthony Sis. My name is Toral Patel. And you are listening to Beyond Binaries. Before we start, we'd like to warn you that this interview contains a brief conversation on the topic of suicide, which may be upsetting to some listeners. For resources on this topic, please view our show notes for this episode. Sue, thank you so much for being our first guest on this series, Beyond Binaries. And so just to get us started, if you want to share your name, your pronouns, your role at Cornell, as well as any other salient identities that you hold. Sure. I am Sue Brightly. Uh, I use she, her pronouns. I work in HR communications. And uh, my identities are queer, middle-aged, earthling artist. Awesome. Well, to get us started, I wanted to ask you a question. So I'll be asking each of our guests for this month a different question related to Pride Month. And so my question to you to kick us off is, why is Pride Month celebrated in June here in the United States? I know this one, and it's because it's when the Stonewall riots happened in New York City. Exactly. So in June. So yeah, so here in the US, we celebrate Pride Month specifically in June, as a result of the Stonewall riots that occurred in June and July of 1969. So it's been a while, but I think it's really important that we remind our listeners about this event, why it's important. And so yeah, so there's a ton of research. And if you go on our diversity website, under DEI celebrations, you'll be able to see some of those links and get a little bit more information about what the Stonewall riots were. So please feel free to do that. Link is in our show notes. All right, Sue. Well, you know, I want to acknowledge, right, that you are not only a member of the community, but you also play a really key leadership role, particularly with the LGBTQ colleague network group or CNG for short. And so for our listeners, who might be listening outside of Cornell, these are our employee resource groups. We call them CNGs. And one of them is specific to LGBTQ identity. And Sue, you're the chair of the CNG. And so I wanted to just get a little bit really in regards to what your experience has been. What can you tell the listeners about the CNG itself? Okay, well, most of all, our CNG is a place for LGBTQ employees to find community and support. And we provide social and networking opportunities and we advocate for our employees at Cornell. And we also work to give back to our communities and provide support for recruiting talent to Cornell. 
We have monthly meetings, we have discussions, we have guest speakers, and it's a great place to meet other LGBTQ employees and just get to build the community and know the community. Yeah, and I just want to acknowledge that for you, this is a big transition into this role too, right? And so if you could just share a little bit about what your experience has been in terms of playing a leadership role in this. And I know this is a big leap for you, so I want to acknowledge that, but also give you a little bit of an opportunity to just maybe share some insights, share what has changed for you, what growth has come about by being a chair in this CNG. Well, the opportunity to be a chair of the CNG has been, it definitely was a push for me into my discomfort zone because I'm much more comfortable behind the scenes and providing support rather than really, you know, helping to drive anything or be in front of people. So even just this interview is really (laughs) challenging. It's in my discomfort zone, but I really appreciate that that's really where growth happens and I appreciate the opportunity and and we have a great group we have a wonderful board of really experienced people and caring people compassionate people people that really care about our community and so um, that's actually made it a lot easier and then I think on a personal level the CNG has meant a lot to me individually because like my whole coming out experience has been while I've worked at Cornell So finding the CNG and being able to come to the meetings, you know, I was able to meet other people who shared the same perspective, shared the same, you know, similar experiences. I discovered I was not alone as being like this only person ever in her fifties to have a identity shaken to the core and discover or rediscover myself and that's meant an awful lot. That's meant a tremendous amount to my feeling confident at work and feeling a part of part of a community. It's been really great. So I, I'm very grateful that the CNGs exist and I'm really grateful to have an opportunity to give back and hopefully to help other members of our community to um, experience that same feeling of support and belonging. Absolutely. I love that. I love that answer. So when you hear the word pride, what are some words, feelings, sentiments that immediately you think of? Well, pride is the opposite of shame. You know, it's, and I think I was brought up in a mindset you know, there wasn't really any pride associated with anything LGBTQ. I think a lot of us (laughs) grow up in that kind of environment. So the absence of shame is, is sort of the beginning of it. But for me personally, I feel that pride is that ability to feel comfortable, you know, expressing yourself as yourself in front of anyone. And that's a really empowering feeling. The other thing I feel with pride is gratitude. It's synonymous for me because I'm myself very conscious of the fact that I couldn't have a sense of pride if it weren't for all the people who have sacrificed and continue to sacrifice to have LGBTQ rights and equality. Pride 
couldn't happen without all that. So I, I have an immense sense of gratitude that's just right there with pride. Yeah, it's it's a word that, especially in this month, I think means a lot when we do think about ancestors and former trailblazers, right, who helped advance where we are today as a community. And so I 100% agree with you on that statement. So you talked a little bit about this next question that I'm going to ask, but can you talk about a moment, whether it was the first moment or just a moment where you truly felt represented and included, whether it was at work or even in a different setting? Yeah, well, for me, it's it's been more of a, a gradual experience <laughs> rather mm-hmm. than just one thing I could point out is, you know, that was that moment. It's been a building thing, but I think really finding the CNGs has, you know, or finding the LGBTQ CNG really helped give me a sense of belonging because as I alluded to, my coming out has happened all while I worked at Cornell. And when I was hired, you know, I had a husband, I identified as straight. And then during my first year, my whole marriage fell apart. And I had this experience where my identity was shaken to the core. And I wasn't sure, you know, I wasn't even sure if I could continue working at Cornell. I thought, how am I going (laughs) to, how do I go from being married to a, a man and then not hiding the fact that I'm dating women now? That was really challenging. And I, I, I didn't know how to navigate it. So I thought, well, maybe what I need to do is just go somewhere else and start fresh, just get out of here. That's the the way to <laughs> avoid this problem because I, there was no going back. I knew that much, but I found a good therapist <laughs> and I found other people. I was amazed to find as many other people like through the CNG that I wasn't the only person in my 50s to go and do this or to have this happen, this realization. And it means it means a lot. The thing is, I was so worried that somehow I was going to not be respected or you know, that people would look at me differently. By the time in your, you're in your 50s, you kind of have, or at least I had this expectation that, oh, you know, you're someone who's got their head on straight, knows what they're doing, and there's a certain kind of confidence that, you know, at work, people will have confidence in you. And so if I was just worried that people wouldn't have any confidence in me anymore, but it turns out that all those worries didn't come to pass. I've been completely accepted and found nothing but support from my coworkers and colleagues. It's meant a lot to me. (laughs) It's meant the world to me that I've been able to stay here because I love my job. I love where I work. I love the people that I work with. So I'm very grateful for that. And it shows, you know, I really, for our listeners, right? Like I could see you getting a little emotional, like physically (laughs) and sharing that with us. And so I just want to acknowledge that and thank you for your vulnerability and sharing that on the show. But I think it's an important one that needs to be told. And we've talked about this outside of this recording, but yeah, you know, it's these types of stories, right? Your story and just knowing that it's not unique to just you, right? That there are other people going through this. I think it's just so important. It's so important to not only hear it, but to elevate these stories. And so once again, I just want to acknowledge 
how much you've shared with us so far and just want to thank you for your vulnerability and for showcasing that and sharing what you've just shared. So I really appreciate yeah. it. Thanks, Anthony, for giving me an opportunity to share it because I do keep thinking, you know, if I'd have heard, I could have felt so much better, I guess, you know, or, or maybe worried less if I had heard other people going through some of those same things and that, yeah, you can, you can get through it and, and everything can be okay. It means a lot. So thank you. Why should people care about Pride Month? You know, what is the importance and significance of this month to you? Well, where to begin? People should care about Pride Month because LGBTQ people are still fighting for equal rights. And there's states where rights and protections are being rolled back right now, like the ability for LGBTQ people to adopt children and to have access to medical care, to not be fired from their jobs. And, you know, even though the, a lot of progress has been made, there's, you know, there's still horrible murders of trans women happening in this country. And queer people suffer disproportionately from inequities in access to mental and physical health care. And people still continue to be discriminated against and bullied and suffer cruelty. And, and there's kids that are committing suicide because they're bullied so badly just for identifying as queer. And, you know, I think Pride Month gives us the opportunity to educate and share the humanity of our community and the stories because queer people are everywhere. We're your families, we're your neighbors, we're your co-workers. And the more you know, the more you can build bridges instead of, you know, have fear. And I think that's, that's really important. That's an important thing for our society. It's an important thing for, you know, the workplace is acceptance. You gain acceptance by humanizing and by getting to know people. And I think that's, that's where the importance of pride is. A couple of things I really wanted to highlight in what you shared as kind of relevant issues that are still affecting the community is the homelessness issue. So yes. according to a recent study from Chaplin Hall at the University of Chicago, LGBTQ youth are 120% more likely to experience homelessness than non-LGBTQ youth. That's a ton. And the fact that in the United States alone, 4.2 million youth experience homelessness each year. So 120% increase from non-LGBTQ youth. Huge issue, and I think it's definitely one that I think about a lot. And you also mentioned something I hadn't thought about in a while, which was the suicide rate. And so in particular, when I think about Pride Month and the importance of it to me too, I think about right when I was just about to come out, or rather was still kind of in trying to understand my own identity, right? As at the time as somebody who identified as gay, I remember specifically one incident, which was Tyler Clementi. He was a college student at Rutgers University and he committed suicide due to bullying. And this happened my freshman year in college, which like a few months after I then ended up coming out to my family and close friends. But I just remember his passing just being one really heavy because I was just thinking about what it would look like for me to come out and yet hearing about this suicide hearing about the fact that it happened on a college campus it was kind of jarring like I was like should I 
do this? Like, should I not? And what were the risks? And I just remember that time period, just hearing a lot of stories, particularly among college students like that. And then to then hear later on, like even children that were younger who were contemplating or doing the same thing was just really hard and heavy. And I think months like this, like Pride Month, yeah, it's it's celebratory, but it's also, I think, a time to really sit and reflect on what are some of these current issues, many of which you've already named, that still affect the community, that serve as a reason to not only celebrate, but to also recognize like the real issues, like the real barriers, systemic barriers, and access mm. to healthcare and other resources in order for everyone within the community to feel like they can live a fruitful and authentic life. I think that's so important. Yeah, that's heavy. It is heavy. And, I, you know, for our listeners, just, yeah. But I did want mm. to talk about that. So we spend a lot of time talking about the issues. You've named so many of them, and we could easily go into more depth with each one of them. But for folks who are listening who are not members of the LGBTQ community, what does advocacy look like beyond Pride Month? Advocacy can take a lot of different shapes. And, you know, this one might sound kind of almost silly, but it means a lot to me. It's seeing rainbow signs and flags and yard signs. As soon as I see a yard sign or, or a sticker or something at a restaurant, I immediately breathe a little easier. I feel welcome. And I think that means a lot to a lot of us in this community. You know, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be okay here with my wife and, you know, hold our hands because it's a, a sign that we're accepted. So that's one way that I think anybody can you know, show support or advocacy. It's a simple way. And I like, I like simple things. You know, there's a lot of other simple things to do, like include your pronouns, include your pronouns in your emails and everywhere else. Get used to saying them at, you know, meetings. And I know even for myself, I make mistakes all the time and it's a process, a learning process, but it, makes such a difference for people. So why not do something really simple and, you know, help other people feel welcome and that they belong. So that's a really easy one. Another easy one, go through your forms at work. You know, what forms do you have that require gender identification? If you're just, you know, have an M or an F, no, no, no. Add a few more letters there. (laughs) You know, it's not hard. It's, it's, it's a simple thing to do. So those are just some really easy, simple ways I think um, our allies can get involved and, and show support. Right. Oh, goodness. What you just when I think about gender and then I read male and female, I'm like, that's not gender. That's sex. Like, <laughs> it's you know, we need to allow for more options for people to self-identify to get more accurate data and representation of people within the community. So just want a special asterisk that one, especially with the forms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so as we wrap up our time together, Sue, I once again just want to thank you for for being vulnerable, for sharing a lot on this show, and just for your leadership overall with the LGBTQ CNG. And I really appreciate it. And so I just want to end on a more positive note and ask you, how do you plan on celebrating Pride Month this year? 
oh, rainbows. <laughs> <laughs> I love the opportunity to incorporate rainbows and sparkles into every aspect of my life, but especially during Pride Month. I miss parades and picnics, and I'm hoping that we'll be able to have something later on in the summer, maybe, as our restrictions and regulations because of COVID are lifting. I know that yeah, we've had some great Ithaca Pride family picnics that have been really nice. So I'm hoping that we'll be able to do some of those again. But for the time being, I'm just pulling out all the rainbows. That's my plan. Well, thank you, Sue, once again. Really appreciate it. And happy Pride. Yay, happy Pride, Anthony and everyone. (laughs) For the latest updates on diversity, equity, and inclusion at Cornell, as well as resources to honor and celebrate LGBTQ plus Pride Month, be sure to visit diversity.cornell.edu. My name is Anthony Sis. My name is Toral Patel. Thank you for listening to the first episode in our special series, Beyond Binaries.